Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. We continue our discussion of the NFC Championship game, 49ers at the Eagles. The Eagles, by the way, are favored by two and a half points. We've talked about when the Eagles have the ball. How about when the 49ers have the ball? And important injury news from Wednesday. Christian McCaffrey, star running back, calf injury, did not practice. Elijah Mitchell, groin injury, did not practice. Debo Samuel, ankle injury, limited practice on Wednesday. I don't think that affects the question of whether or not these guys are going to play, but it makes sense to watch the injury report because, again, the 49ers are only as good as as their ability to put their best players on the field. And uh, the guy at the center of the storm between Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, who makes cameo appearances, but not very often, not with all these other guys. It's hard to get the ball to 44 with all these other guys. Yeah. It's Brock Purdy. Right. Biggest road game of his career. Yep. He's only had two road games. Yeah, it's amazing. In all those starts, he's, he's played eight, started seven. Twice on the road. It helps to have two playoff games at home. But they went to Seattle back in week 15 for a Thursday night. That's the closest approximation, Chris, to what he's going to be facing in Philadelphia with the season on the line. And we don't know. They don't know. No one knows. Brock Purdy doesn't know how he's going to respond and perform in that environment. That's one of the great unknowns of this contest. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, he's, yeah, he's the, it's, it's the one guy we're all looking at. Yeah, Seattle, that fan, that stadium, that crowd there, it's loud. It's as loud as any in football. So that's a good, you know, experiment. The problem is, or, you know, a good, you know, uh, prepared experience there at least. But the problem is, is uh, the Seahawks defense ain't going to be on the field. That, that's the problem. It's going to be the Eagles. And, it's, and they're in a whole different world than the, the Seattle Seahawks on the defensive side of the ball. And this is a great defense. And, yeah, Brock Purdy's been really good. We know that. You know, but but this is a, a different test in an environment, a creative defense, and a defense that, again, is not getting enough attention for how good it's played. We're talking about the Niners as the number one defense in football. The Eagles are right behind it as the number two defense in football. And, you know, not getting the credit for only being the second best 
you know, sack team in the history of football behind the 85 Bears. I mean, a, a stat like that, and I feel like it's amazing that it's just, people don't talk about them that much. We don't even really talk about their pass rush. You know, so that's to me one of the huge parts of this football game, Mike. A little bit, and again, I don't. I'm never one to just go. Well, it's about running the football, right? But we know the 49ers are not a QB centric team. It is about running the football, and if they have to drop back and throw the ball too much in this environment versus this defense and that pass rush, I can't imagine that that's going to be a good recipe for the 49ers. So that's really one of the, the biggest key to the game, in my opinion. Well, and um, I agree. Let's hear a little bit, yeah. Kyle Shanahan, on how when they went to Seattle for week 15 for that Thursday night game, they knew, they were aware, they were planning for the reality that they may go to Philadelphia for the NFC Championship. Here's Shanahan on how they used that game to get ready for what's coming on Sunday. We'll do the same thing we did that week. I mean, that was huge just because that was our first game really all year that it was that important. And it was, Brock kind of had experience with it. And um, so it was great to have that, especially with us going to Philly. I remember us talking about that that week that we needed that. Um, we needed that rep in case we ended up in the NFC Championship at Philly. And we got that. And I'm very fortunate that we did. And I feel we're good to go. He knows what to expect. He knows how we do it. And um, we'll give him refs at it all week. But he got it ready on just a Wednesday when he played Thursday. So... It won't be an issue this week. Just crank up the crank yeah, up just the crank music. up, crank it up. Cranking up the music, make crank it loud, it get Brock Purdy ready to go. And I, I think one of the keys this week for the 49ers, Chris, is to make sure Brock Purdy doesn't think at all about what this game means to his football career. Right. Better said than done. Yeah. But or easier said than done, as the cliche goes. Because look at it this way. If he has if he has and we've seen it before in big stakes playoff games. I think back to Carson Palmer, 2015, playing for the Cardinals against the Panthers. Remember he had that six-turnover yeah. meltdown right. against the Panthers, the game that vaulted Carolina to the Super Bowl. We saw Jake DeLome in the divisional round in 2008, same two teams, playing for the Panthers. He had six turnovers in a Saturday night when the Cardinals upended the Panthers to move on. If Purdy has... A bad performance, multiple turnovers, bad mistakes, etc. That opens the door to somebody else being the starter next year, whether it's somebody currently on the roster or somebody not currently on the roster, Tom Brady. Hmm. So I I just I I would I would want to do everything I could to not Brock Pur- not allow Brock Purdy to think about yeah. the implications of this specific game on his future as the 49ers quarterback. Yeah, I hear that. You know, just, just hey, you, gotta, you know, hopefully you just keep the focus on the Eagles, right? And don't worry about your legacy or where you stand. You, know, you got to play, and let's just worry about this play against the Eagles defense and get us in the right play and make sure you make the right check. And I think he's a guy that's shown he can, he can certainly block some of that or all that noise out and focus. Now, where, where I do think it's different, you know, than last week, than this week, right, where the Cowboys match up, uh, as we were texting during the game on on Sunday with the Cowboys and Niners, and I got the sense of the game as I was watching, let alone when I watched it back on film, that that it was a very conservative game plan by the 49ers. I really came away from the game going, they played the game because they felt like they were better than the Cowboys, and as long as Micah Parsons or Demarcus Lawrence didn't get a strip sack fumble or something like that, they knew they could win the game. They, they can't do that this week. 
You can't just go, well, we're going to be conservative against the Eagles and we'll still win the game. No. You know, I, I think if your defense plays great, the Eagles still going to score 20, I think. So that's where I think they're going to have to ask him to be a little more aggressive and probably be a little more aggressive in the past game than we saw last week just because they know there's an offense on the other side that you know their defense isn't just going to shut down like they did the Cowboys offense. Yeah, I think that's a damn good point because, right? look, we spent so much time focusing on what the Cowboys did wrong yeah. against the 49ers. The bottom line is the Cowboys played the 49ers tougher than I thought they would. They I did. thought the 49ers right. were the dr- dramatically better team. Not that they were going to win 38-7, to but the fact that it was as close as it was surprised me. And uh, th- there is more pressure on the offense. There and is. This Eagles defense is better suited to bottling up Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. Not that you can ever completely shut them down, but at some point, you're right. Brock Purdy's got to find Brandon Ayuk. Got to find George Kittle. Got to stretch the field a little bit. Yes. Got to keep his wits about him. When that rotation of badasses that the Eagles have. That's right. That they... They have then this is this is the game. This is the badass that they game. They them for you know. I think <laughs> yeah, back to right. I think back to five years ago what that rotation did to the Vikings and how they were able to break the game open because uh, it was close at first. The Vikings actually led seven nothing, but the Eagles were relentless defensively and and uh, that's what the 49ers need to guard against. And yeah. the, I feel like this is one of those where whatever happens in this game. We're going to say the next day, well, that makes sense. We should have seen that coming. Yeah, right. Whatever the outcome, right. however it goes, yeah. right? Brock Purdy doesn't play well. We should have seen that come against the Eagles defense. You know, the, the 49ers win. Well, we should have seen that coming. They're a team of badasses. Roll out of bed, run through a brick wall. They do it against everybody, even the Eagles in their own building with a Super Bowl on the line. I mean, however, the, it's just like it's like both games. I don't know how. They're as even as I can remember. It's as, as close can as it can be. Yeah. It's as even as I can remember. Uh, as far as just picking them, you know, again, I know anything can happen and whatever else, but yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, it's two games evenly matched and then two have their own. The AFC is a little bit, Hey, we know they're both good on the lines and all that, but it's a little bit more about the skill players. The NFC back to your point is about big mofos who kick ass up front. That's where the NFC is. It's like old school NFC. It's like it was back in the late 80s or in the early 90s. I mean, again, you know, my, my barometer a little bit. They, you know, a fight breaks out between all 32 teams. The Eagles and the 49ers are going to be in the final four or five. I can promise you that. They're one of those teams when you look at them, you go, holy shit, how many big people do they have? This is unbelievable. I mean, they do, both of them. So, and, and, and you know, that, that's going to be interesting part of it too. And with Brock Purdy, we know the 49ers, their ability to run, you know, is the number one thing they do. I just, I, you know, I, I don't know. Like you said, this is a different group. We're talking about an, an, an all-time defensive line right now who's got versatility as far as big people to stop the run and fast people to start the rush. And, Mike, and, and they got, you know, a guy in, in Jonathan Gannon, a defensive coordinator who took some flack in Philadelphia, rightly slow because I think he was a little too simple last year and maybe earlier this year. But, Nam, I, I watched their defense this last half of the year. They do, like we were talking about with Lou Anaruma, they do everything. And I just I want to show you a few plays because I know we got a little package ready for what we saw you know, or what we might see. But here, there's a five-man front. Red, you know, there's this is what they, they can rush five and they can play man behind it. Let's start that over if you can rewind it one time real quick. 
what right? So five man, you go, wait, I don't want to run the ball against this look. But what they want to do is if you do pass it, they have confidence in their corners to, to lock you up. They're a good man team. And then they go, wait, one of our guys is going to win one of these one-on-one matchups. And, of course, this is why they're second all-time as far as sacks in a season. So there's the five-man rush, five-man look. Here's another. I'm going to show you another play, five-man look. And you're going, oh, wait, but they're going to drop out and then blitz another guy. And they're going to be under the four-man rush and play a zone, but they understand how to attack your protection rules. And you're going to see those guys drop out. One of the nickelbacks blitz. And they are well-coached in knowing, wait, this is where this guy likes to throw the ball hot. And they understand and read their keys. And they are very versatile. Guys like guys like Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat, they can drop into coverage and be a real pain in the butt, too. So you don't ever know which five are coming. Is it these guys, that guy's, who's in a drop? And that's where they're a handful, let alone the talent is good, too. And that's why this matchup is awesome. And good luck if you're a rookie quarterback. Well, that's that's what we're saying here. Real time. Right, right. Making those decisions. Right. Right. And and I know that Kyle Shanahan basically likes to run his offense, run his quarterback like a kid with a controller playing Madden. Yeah. It's going to be harder to do against that Eagles defense. It's going to be hard for Kyle to do against even if the quarterback does everything that Kyle tells him to do, it's still that's right. not work. That, that's that's where he's right. going to have to rely on the return. You know, screens and reverses and speed sweeps a little bit to help out, right? That's where they're really good. So hey, I don't know what they're going to be. Here's a Debo screen like we saw in the NFC championship game last year against the Rams, right? Those where those plays will become effective for them. And maybe then they can simplify Philadelphia a little bit where they go, whoa, we can't do all this crazy crap because we got to be a little more sound in the right spots here because they're, they're exposing us a little bit, and it's something to watch for. Sorry for cutting you off there. Get them on their – no, that's fine. Get yeah. them on their heels, blow up their creativity, force them to go back to meat and potatoes exactly. because they're getting their ass kicked there. Right. And, and that gets back to what the 49ers are. They just kick your ass with the simple things and take away your ability to do the fancy stuff. Exactly. You're too busy – recovering from the last play where you just got run over by one of those guys in gold helmets. And that's what the 49ers bring to the table. We're doing the picks pod later. I'm going to have a hell of a time (laughs) picking a winner in the NFC championship. I've already pre-picked my winner in the AFC because I declared that on Monday. NFC, tougher, tougher time. Let's take a break. Tough time for the four teams that lost this past weekend. We're going to take one last look at the divisional round losers to see whether or not they exceeded expectations, met expectations, or failed to live up to what we had envisioned they would do. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, four teams going to play this weekend. Four teams that played last weekend aren't. Micah Parsons responding to the Brandon Beam comment about the Bengals having rookie quarterback contract and Jamar Chase on a rookie contract. Micah Parsons said, besides Mahomes, every team in the final quarterback, final four has a quarterback on a rookie deal and is surrounded by talent. Interesting take. Uh Listen, we're not going to sit here talking like I'm talking about Dak. When I get paid, I want a big contract, too. Come on, stop reaching. I really didn't understand what he was saying. I mean, the, 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 like, is he throwing shade at Dak? What's he doing? What's his point? Is he reacting to Brandon Bean? I saw that tweet. I was going to write something about it yesterday. But, frankly, I don't, I don't understand what his point is. 
I really don't. I, I yeah. I, I guess he's just trying to make a point that you know the quarterbacks are on a rookie contract. It's easier to give them more talent. I mean, okay, sure. You know, but we see that's that's not totally true. I mean, we can go to last year's championship games, and I go, well, three out of the four quarterbacks are making a boatload of money, and they were in the you know the championship rounds, right? I mean, last year we had three guys that were all making good money, except for Joe Burrow. So uh, it's it's I understand the point, and yeah, of course it's easier, right? But damn, it's 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 not impossible. And I think with guys like Josh Allen and Mahomes, they took contracts that are very team friendly. They're going to be outdated in another year or two. We're going to be looking at guys going, what? He's making more money than Mahomes and Allen on a yearly basis? That's insane. So, and I, I don't think, you know, I, yeah, I don't know exactly what he's saying there. I don't. Yeah, my, my first thought when he, when he tweeted in response to Brandon Bean was he was trying to disagree with him in some way. But then it's like, well, he's kind of agreeing with him. Like, this dynamic isn't just the Bengals. Three of the four Final Four teams have this rookie quarterback, and we've seen this over the years. You can use your assets elsewhere on the team. And and then he had to backpedal because people were saying he was throwing a shot at, at Dak because Dak's making $40 million. He's not on his rookie contract. But that's just part of the dynamic. That's the life cycle of a franchise quarterback. You've got the early years when you're on the restricted contract by virtue of the collective bargaining agreement, and then you have the years where you're making big money, and that's just the way it is. It's up to the team to put the players around him. So, again, I don't know what Michael Parsons was trying to prove. I don't know what point he was trying to make. Maybe we'll have him on Radio Rome. We can ask him about it then, and he'll tell us, because I really don't know. Because I, I, you, I, at first I thought he was trying to say to Brandon Bean, don't complain, don't whine, but maybe he wasn't. I don't know. Again, I don't know what he was trying to yeah, say. And that's not the point of this segment. Right. That was just to set it up. But I'd never really wrestled with what the hell Michael Parsons was trying to say. But again, maybe coming up in two weeks in Phoenix, we'll have him. He'll bring some pizza like he did last week. Wear that awesome Pizza Hut jacket. That yeah, that was cool. And right. explain to us exactly over a slice of pie what he was talking about. All right. So for the four teams that lost last weekend, we're going to look at whether they overachieved, underachieved, or properly achieved. Let's start with the Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? Two years in a row of 12 wins. Did they over? under or properly achieve in your estimation, Christopher? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like they properly achieved. You know, if not anything, I'd almost say maybe, I mean, it's where I was earlier in the year to start the season. I, I, I would be lying if I didn't think they overachieved from what my preseason assessment would have been. I didn't think they were going to be as good as they were. You know, they lost Randy Gregory. You're worried about how that was going to work. You know, a few other people in free agency where – yeah, I just wondered. I did. Um, so as far as my, they, 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 they I'm going to say overachieved in my, and I, I think that's going to be my final answer. I think they slightly overachieved for what I expected, at least to start the season. They overachieved in light of their expectations that were down because of their own failure to manage the offseason. Yeah, right. They should have kept right. Randy Gregory. They should have kept Amari Cooper. They dug a hole for themselves coming off of 12-5 and five last year, and they did a good job of scrambling out of it. So, yeah, they overachieved, but the problem is it feels like they underachieved because in the midst of a great season, the bar goes up. Yeah. And it's how about them Cowboys? Right, and right. Jerry Jones gets all intoxicated on the possibilities, and – now here we are, still one more year removed from their last NFC Championship game appearance in 1995. Buffalo Bills. This one's easy. They underachieved. Everybody had them in the Super Bowl. Wire-to-wire Super Bowl champions in the betting markets. Josh Allen, wire-to-wire, not wire-to-wire, but at least 
all off season and deep into the regular season, MVP favorite. They they were not the team that everyone expected them to be. And I said back in August, we talked about it at length. Are they going to feel the weight of those expectations? Is it going to affect them this year? And I feel like at some level it did. Yeah, I, I don't disagree, especially with all the other stuff that went on and, and on their organization that even put more weight and pressure on their shoulders. I'm with you. Uh, I, you know, I'm going to go underachieve, but it's slightly underachieving. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I didn't think they would get to the Super Bowl. I didn't. Mike, I think I was pretty fair all year and going, I still think they're missing a stud or two on both sides of the ball, right? I always felt like that. Now, I thought they'd be in the AFC Championship game. I'm not going to lie about that, right? Um, but, yeah, I, I hear you. I think, you know, we, we didn't expect them. They underachieved. We didn't expect them to lose in the divisional playoff game and didn't expect them to get dominated at home. That's where I think it becomes an underachievement. I think we all could have swallowed this a little easier if we went, all right, damn, yeah, Burrow and the Bengals beat them 27-24. Okay, you know, damn, they're show Burrow and the Bengals. They're good. But it was a butt whooping. That, that's what I think we look at and go, whoa, they're, they're not in the Super Bowl class yet. And, you know, and yeah, Von Miller injury, no Daquan Jones, Jordan Phillips playing with a torn rotator cuff. Those things hurt their football team, but I'm with you. I'm going underachieve as well. Now, what I'm going to do for the last two, because we're going to say both the Giants and the Jaguars grossly overachieved. <laughs> exactly Nobody expected right. them to right. be in the playoffs, right. right? Nobody expected them to be in the divisional round. Not only did they overachieve to get there, they overachieved by winning in the divisional round, even though the Jaguars had a home game. They were that bad four seed that should have lost to a really good five we seed. We picked them, Mike. We picked the Jaguars. When? We picked the oh, we Jaguars did, did to beat the Chargers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. By then... By then, by then, we had figured it out. We had gotten on to the Jaguars bandwagon. Let me spin this forward. Yeah. Which team should have the higher expectations for 2023? Because now we're all caught up in the future. We're going to assume that every team that had a great season is going to have another one, and we know that that's false because half the teams that made the playoffs get bounced the next year. Which of these two teams has staying power, the Jaguars or the Giants? The Jaguars more as it stands right now. Uh, the the Jaguars, I think we, we both agree here, they got talent and young talent that's impressive. You know, let alone they look the part, and they got a quarterback that has entered the, you know, elite top five quarterback in football conversation. So that's where I look at it. And then they got Calvin Ridley coming in the offseason too. I mean, we, we have forgotten about that. Whoa, so they got that as well. You know, I, I think they're the team. The the the, the the Giants, you know, it's still I still sit here and go, I don't know how the hell they got here. I really don't. It's it's because of coaching. I don't think they can replicate this again. You know, another year where teams will study them, people in the NFC East will study them. I don't think Saquon up the middle and Daniel Jones scrambling and keeping it on read options is gonna be enough to win them games again. So that's where I look at the Giants and go yeah, they got to spend some money in free agency this year. We got to get a big time receiver. They got to get a big time shutdown corner. They got to get some linebackers. I mean, the Giants' two middle linebackers were like on the street for most of the year, and they were starting in a playoff game. It's insane. So uh, I do think the Jaguars are clearly better set up. Well, and they're in a weaker division. That's true, right. But, but next year, they, they, they get the first-place schedule, which means they have the Chiefs and the 49ers in addition to their rotation of all teams from the NFC South and all teams from the AFC North. 
by virtue of the fact they won the division, they get Chiefs and 49ers next year. So we'll, we'll get a measuring stick as to where the Jaguars are. But I agree with you. I feel like the Jaguars, by virtue of the talent, are in a better position to parlay what they did this year into something good next year. But I also think the Giants with Brian Dayball will find a way to yeah. just keep scrapping and winning and, and working on becoming more talented and right. maybe laying the foundation for something better in the future. All right, we're going to take a break. The future of the Cowboys is in some degree of flux, despite those back-to-back 12-win seasons. Good enough to keep Mike McCarthy, not good enough to keep five members of his staff. What does all that mean? We'll discuss it next here on PFT Live. How about them Cowboys? BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Quaker has been a trusted name in breakfast for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, and the ballpoint pen. And while a lot of things have changed since then, some things have stayed the same, like the great taste and quality of Quaker Oats. Quaker has something for everyone, like old-fashioned and quick oats, great for cooking and baking, or instant oatmeal in different flavors and varieties, whether it's lower sugar or added protein or fiber. Quaker Oats can satisfy the whole family. There's even Quaker Fruit Fusion, with real fruit pieces, added vitamins, and no artificial colors for a bold start to a bold morning. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats in your local grocery store. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. We pointed out earlier this week that the Cowboys' assistant coaches were having their contracts expire. All but four members of the staff, including Coach Mike McCarthy, had contracts that were going bye-bye. Now five of those assistant coaches going bye-bye. Not coming back next year, senior defensive assistant George Edwards, running backs coach Skip Pete, offensive line coach Joe Philbin, the former Dolphins head coach, assistant defensive line coach Leon Lett. You may remember him from that Dolphins-Cowboys Thanksgiving game from 1993 and or also assistant head coach Rob Davis. Yeah. Now, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, so you make the argument, not you, I'm saying generally, the yeah. argument has been made. Mike McCarthy, why should be on the hot seat? They've won back-to-back 12, they've had 12, they've had back-to-back 12-win seasons. I knew I would eventually get it right. Back-to-back 12-win seasons, why would you fire him? Okay, fine, why would you fire five members of his staff? Well, they weren't fired, their contracts expired, and they weren't given a new contract. It's the same damn thing! Your services are no longer required. Please pack your shit and leave. That's what those five assistants are being told. I can't reconcile 
keeping McCarthy and dumping five members of his staff. Feels like a half measure to me. I, I, I would agree with you there. You know, it, it does have the feel of like, hey, head coach, I'm okay with you, but there's some things I didn't like, and I'd like you got to make some changes on the staff. Uh, these areas got to improve, right? I, I, it, that's what it does feel like. Uh, I mean, it is. It's kind of surprising and to, to the point you're making here. A 12-win team, you know, played a team that we look at as Super Bowl caliber and played them to the finish and had their quarterback really make two horrible mistakes in the game and big reason they lost it. Yeah, you don't, I feel like you don't usually see these kind of aggressive moves you know, after a season like that. Uh, I'm with you. It has the feel of like, hey, you better shake some things up here uh, or maybe I'll shake you up out of town. That, that's what it does feel like a little bit. Now, now, now. We would be remiss to not point out the possibility because we don't know. Things happen behind the scenes all the time. What was happening behind the scenes a year ago? The Dolphins were trying to line up Sean Payton and Tom Brady. It was happening in this same time frame and nobody had any idea it was going on because you don't advertise that it's happening. I say that because consider the circumstantial evidence. Five members of the staff out. There hasn't been an affirmative postseason, yes, Mike McCarthy's coming back statement. There was the Jerry Jones heat of the moment. This doesn't change how I feel about McCarthy. Then you've got Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones cancel their radio appearances. When has Jerry Jones ever turned down the chance to talk? When? Has it ever happened? No. That's My shocking. point is this. Yeah. My point is this. You don't just fire Mike McCarthy if you're Jerry Jones. You don't just fire Mike McCarthy and say, I'll go find a better coach. You're going to move on from McCarthy if you know who you're going to get. So you need to know that you're going to get who you want to get before you move on from the guy that you've currently got. And coincidentally, all of a sudden, it feels like the the air has come out of the Sean Payton balloon with Arizona, Denver, Carolina, Houston. I mean... We wouldn't know that, for example, if this is happening, the Cowboys are trying to work out a deal with the Saints for Sean Payton. Jerry Jones is trying to work out a deal with Sean Payton for how much he would pay him. And all that's in motion before you pull the pin on the Mike McCarthy grenade. Because that's how it would go. You're not giving up the bird in the hand until you know you're getting the two in the bush. If we can't get Payton, we're keeping McCarthy. But we're not just going to fire McCarthy and enter this arena of interview this guy, interview that guy, interview that guy, interview that guy, and we're going to find a coach and hope it works. So I, I just – this is all circumstantial evidence, and it may be ultimately evidence of nothing. But we know from history and experience, stuff goes on behind the curtain. Four years ago, it was going on behind the curtain where Jones was trying to get Sean Payton then, and it fell apart. And we never knew about it until Playmakers – came out last year so we don't know what's happening but we do know that five coaches from a team that won 12 games in back-to-back years have been asked to leave there's something weird about that there is because it should be good enough to continue if 12 and 5 and 12 and 5 should be good enough to keep your staff in place I, i i would think so yes and and again as long as you know, the Sean Payton situation hovers over the NFL and he's not linked to a team, you know, unfortunately for Mike McCarthy and, and you know, his family and everybody, this is going to be a constant conversation here. It is because of, you know, yeah, the knowledge of, of what you've said, that we know there was 
you know, some things being put in place behind the scenes already with the Saints and Sean Payton. And Sean Payton worked for the Cowboys, and there's always been a love affair, it seems like, between Jerry Jones and Sean Payton. And we've both heard, you know, through the rumorville of people we know in the NFL that Sean Payton has always kind of had his eye on the Cowboys a little bit. So there's just all of that. It's not really fair to Michael McCarthy. That's the nature of the beast. He's done a very good job the last two years. He has. We just talked about that they exceeded expectations. But you got a guy in Jerry who's getting old, and he's getting antsy. And he's never been one to pay the coach when they've been fired, but maybe he's getting to the point here where he's getting antsy and he would do that. And that's why we're talking about this, and it just all seems a little peculiar to your point. It's Leon Hess. Leon Hess put it as bluntly as possible. I'm not going to live forever. I want to win. And we saw how upset Jerry Jones was after that game. You pointed it out. It looked like he was ready to cry after they lost to the 49ers. I can't believe they actually convinced themselves they had a chance to win that game. But you know what? They did. That's what makes it hurt. It hurts worse to lose by seven with two opportunities in the final three minutes to tie the game and maybe win it with a two-pointer. It hurts more to have that happen than to lose 38-7. to Because at least when you lose 38-7, to you've had three hours to get accustomed to your fate. So, yeah, it was tough. It was difficult. And you can't take it with you. I think Jerry understands that. And he's got a lot of it to leave behind. His kids are taken care of. Their kids are taken care of. Their kids are taken care of. Their kids are taken care of. So... Uh, oh, we got to pay Mike McCarthy to not coach the team. So what? We got to pay Sean Payton twenty to twenty-five million a year to come coach the Cowboys. So what? It's all a write-off. And if you want, if you want to get back to the NFC Championship, I mean, it's not even about winning the Super Bowl at this point. It's about just getting back to a damn NFC Championship in Jerry Jones' lifetime. If if I if I was him. I mean, there's a lot of things I would do if I was him that probably would make the team even worse. But I would definitely be considering what it's going to take to get this team to the next level because what they're doing now, Chris, isn't working. Well, okay. All right, good. Well, I mean, we, I know we're going to take a break, but so, like, you would you do it? Would you go see you, see you Mike McCarthy? I'd do it. You would? I'd yeah, do it. Yeah. I, I'd do it. I would, I, would, I would hire Sean Payton. I would line it up. I would work out the best deal I could with the Saints, and I'd, I'd pay Sean Payton $20 million a year. And I'd say, let's, let's take this thing next level. Let's come in here and let's button these things up. Let's take care of these details. Let's have real plays ready for these final moments of the games. Not some stupid-ass quarterback draw that doesn't take into account that the umpire can't teleport through two bodies. Not this crazy-ass Ezekiel Elliott playing center like it's Sandlot football and he gets his ass blasted onto the ground and they don't even get a chance. They don't even get a chance. A Stanford band play that doesn't even get a chance to – you don't even get a chance to start the tuba. Or the trombone, you know, the slide. You don't even get a chance to slide the trombone on the Stanford band. It's just done. It's embarrassing. I don't know. I would do it. I would do it. But again, Cowboys fans everywhere. For as frustrated as you may be that Jerry Jones is the guy making the decisions, it could be worse. It could be me making the decisions. (laughs) Let's take a break. That's not my decision, but we need to get to commercial so we can talk about the finalists for the major awards. First time ever the finalists have been named. We'll talk about that when PFT Live continues right after this. Oh, man. Uh, um, hey, uh, Bob, Bob did just tell me that right when we, when we walked down here. Um, yeah, uh, 
you know, that's that's something I can't control. Um, and those awards are nice and and everything like that. Uh, I'm really happy for Jalen and, and Shane that they that they're that they're uh, on that. But you know, we have obviously much bigger things uh, ahead and uh, on our sites than than individual awards. That's the right attitude. We don't care about individual awards. We're trying to win a Super Bowl. Now, the NFL did something yesterday they've never done before. They've announced finalists for the major awards that will be handed out the night before the Super Bowl. There's never been an effort to identify finalists. And the one thing that I disagree with how they did it, because it just kind of showed up out of the blue yesterday for the first one. I think it was comeback player of the year, but I'm not 100% sure. They dumped all of them in like 45 minutes. Take your time. You could have used like a whole week, like one a day, two Agreed. a day. Agreed. Have some buildup. Who, who, who will be the finalists for Offensive Player of the Year? Tune in to Good Morning Football tomorrow morning to find out. I mean, they just unloaded it. You've got to have an element of drama, and you've got to have an element of engagement. You can't just throw them all out there and have everybody try to figure out what's going on. It, no, it doesn't make any sense. So maybe they'll do that next year. I was surprised they did. I had no idea they were doing it. I and didn't uh, let's start with Coach of the Year. The three finalists Brian Dayball, the Giants, Doug Peterson, the Jaguars, Kyle Shanahan, and the 49ers. Um, Seahawks players were pissed off that Pete Carroll wasn't one of them. I but get it. I, they, they, this is the toughest one. There it were is. plenty of coaches who deserve consideration because plenty of coaches did better than we ever thought they would do this year. Yeah, that, that, that's right. And, you know, Nick Sirianni, of course, it's a phenomenal job. The problem that hurts him is like we always talk about. You know, everybody expected the Eagles to be damn good. And, damn, there's, there's a lot of value when you do have the bullseye on and the fact that you still deliver that way. I think we kind of, like, swiped that under the rug a little too much. But you're right. I think it's the hardest year ever. I, I really have no problem with any three of them winning it. I don't. I mean, of course, Peterson and Dayball have the great thing of going, like, none of us saw that happening. None of us. But, you know, the Shanahan side of the story is, yeah, we knew they were going to be good, but did we know that we were going to be going like, hey, it's it's the wild card round, and the 49ers were the third-string quarterback or maybe the best team in football or the most dominant team in football the last eight weeks of the regular season with a third-string quarterback? So that, to me, does make it very interesting. You know, I don't feel like Shanahan's going to win it by what I hear from public sentiment, but I don't think he's quite getting the credit he should be. I know they were going to be good. We know they we expected them to be damn good, but not this way in this fashion. I think that's where, you know, it makes it a little bit more of an interesting conversation as well. One of the reasons they're able to do finalists this year, this is the first year in which the voters – listed more than one person right in past years it was coach of the year one name mvp one name every award one name now it's three for all the awards except mvp which five has right five yeah. and for me and and so to, to to further delegitimize the ap awards both chris and i had votes this year which really is astounding i mean in this business 20 freaking years i I'm, I'm not complaining they finally gave it to me but i like to think i I did enough to earn it before this year, but I'm glad to have it. And I voted Dayball, Shanahan, Sean McDermott as my one, two, and three. I'll, I'll be willing to give free, full transparency to what my ballot was. So I got two out of the three right. And I would have had Peterson as number four if it would have gone to number four. Uh, you know, I, 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 did, I had the three, the three we got here. I did. And I'm not going to lie, I had Kyle Shanahan as one. I do. 
I don't know. There's a part of me, too, that thinks he got ripped off two years ago when John Harbaugh got it and a year where we were like, well, we knew the Ravens and the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson were going to be good. You know, and then there was the 49ers who went to the Super Bowl. So I went with him, but that was like definitely the toughest one. I mean, if I could have done 1A, 1B, and 1C, uh, that, that, that's the kind of feel I had there. They all are phenomenal. They really are and all deserving of the award. MVP finalists, five were announced because, again, we voted for five. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson. Jefferson at one point may have had a shot at winning it, but he didn't set the single-season receiving yardage record, and the Vikings kind of tailed off down the stretch, finishes the three-seed. If they'd have been the two-seed and he had broken that record, it would have been interesting. Mahomes, I think, gets it because Mahomes was the overwhelming choice for all-pro quarterback. As first teamer, Jalen Hurts was the second stringer. So I think Mahomes, it became likely when they announced the All-Pro team that he's going to be the MVP. And it'll be interesting to see how the voting goes behind him. I think it'll be Mahomes, Hurts, Burrow, Allen. I have a feeling that's the way it's going to go. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. I I, I think that's probably the way it it will go, too. I, 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 I would think it's Mahomes all the way as far as who wins the award. I know, again, yeah. 41 touchdowns, throwing the football, another four or five rushing the football, right? And then, again, it's a team that's based around his talents and what he does, and he played phenomenal this year, as we know. And then there was, hey, Mike, I mean, Mahomes isn't any good without Tyreek Hill. I mean, he's no good. I mean, it's just if he doesn't have Tyreek Hill, I don't even know if he's, like, a top-10 quarterback. Yeah, I mean, yeah. BS, right? So he wins the MVP for me for sure. One seed in the AFC, one seed in the NFC, Mahomes hurts. That's usually where the MVP comes from, one of those two quarterbacks, and I believe it will be Mahomes. Comeback Player of the Year finalist. This one was interesting to me because I tried to vote in the three spot for Brian Robinson, the commander's running back who was shot through the knee in late August and came back and had a very good rookie season. They rejected my ballot on that point because the rules prohibit rookies right. from being voted comeback player of the year. That rule may change and that rule needs to change because it's not just coming back from what happened last year. It can be coming back from anything, any type of adversity that you come back from. So a rookie should be able to get that award. The three are Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Geno Smith and Geno Smith, as Shereen Williams would say, shouldn't be considered because you shouldn't give the award to someone in Shereen's uh, phrase, who is coming back from sucking. Uh, but it should be coming back from injury or some other real adversity. No, so, I, I uh, disagree still, with that. Still. I disagree with that. Gino was my pick. I mean, he's not coming back from sucking. He's coming back from team sucking and listening to fan bases and all the other bullshit that goes on in football. That's the problem. It's everybody else sucking and not giving a guy that deserved a chance a chance. That's the problem. Gino, to me, was the comeback player of the year. Come on. He hadn't played football in 10 years, and he was the number two rated quarterback in the game. My my argument is different than Shereen's because, again, that's her, not me. Yeah, I got you. My argument is how can you be comeback player of the year when you never had a standard that you're coming back to? Like when they gave it to Matthew Stafford in 2011, he was never great. It was just his first great year. It was like his breakout year. How's he comeback player of the year? They're looking at doing most improved player 
which is different okay. from coming back from some sort of right. adversity. So right. most improved would be a category from somebody who takes it next level, and maybe that would have been Geno Smith. Either way, those are the finalists. We take a break. We'll be back with the final segment of PFT Live right after this. Well, the the video of Patrick Mahomes walking off uh, the podium and also out there doing high knees. He wasn't doing it on a plane. He was doing it on a practice field. Giving some folks confidence in the Chiefs to the point, Christopher, where the spread has now moved again. The Chiefs opened as one-point favorites over the Bengals. It swung after people processed the fact that Patrick Mahomes may not be Patrick Mahomes this Sunday to the Bengals as one-point favorites. And now it's even. Even Steven down the middle. Pick them. There is no favorite. Bengals Chiefs. That shows you how tight it is. It's amazing, but it's not. Because look at how we struggled to talk through that game. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. Nobody knows what's going to happen, which is going to make Sunday night awesome. Yeah, it is. It's going to make it awesome. It's both quarterbacks who are clutch as hell. You just feel like whoever gets the ball last is going to win. And... You know, unfortunately for Mahomes, you know, two of the last three times, Burrow had the ball last, and that, and they won, and they were able to either run out the clock or get the score they needed to win the football game. I mean, it's Clash of the Titans here. Clash of the Titans' legacies, too. Burrow, like Burrow said after the game, it's two of the best guys going at it, and him and Mahomes, and two of the best teams, too, and it's going to be a lot of theatrics, that's for sure. We'll make our picks coming up later today. You'll see that in the Joint Mega Picks podcast. You won't see Chris until Monday. See ya. If he makes it through the weekend. Hopefully he does. Don't stand up while you pee. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.